0: Good afternoon, I'm Shelby Herbert and welcome to Midday Magazine for February 22nd. Warm ocean water is a primary factor in the recent year's crash of Arctic, Yukon and Kuskokwim chum salmon returns. That was the message of a presentation on day one of a Board of Fisheries meeting Monday. Alaska Department of Fish and Game Ocean Ecology program leader, Dr. Katie Howard, shared data that correlates unprecedented low chum returns from 2020 through 2022 with warmer than normal waters in the Bering Sea and North Pacific between 2016 and 2019 when the fish were juveniles.
1: They were experiencing extraordinary heat waves during their first summer at sea. So, so in these regions, um, and those that survived to winter then were hit with a heat wave in the North Pacific Ocean. So they just couldn't escape it during their first year at sea.
0: Howard said there's a lot of evidence that the marine heat waves were unprecedented in size, magnitude, and duration and resulted in decreased availability of primary food stocks for juvenile chum salmon.
1: Instead of feeding on the copepods and the krill and stuff that they normally eat. They're eating these gelatinous food items, and that's something only chunk do. The other species don't do this. Um, And those those gelatinous food, like jellyfish, they're just, they're very abundant. They're everywhere, but um, they really offer no caloric value. They're just, um, they fill their stomachs, but they don't really offer much energy.
0: Howard said survey data indicated nothing unusual about the number of juvenile chum salmon, but the nutritional deficiency was clear.
1: Simply put, this data indicates that juvenile chum salmon that should have returned in 2020 through 2022 were running on empty. These fish were not attaining the energy stores they need in their first summer at sea to help them survive their first winter and subsequent years at sea.
0: Howard said ocean temperatures have been cooler for the last three years, and that should result in a chum salmon rebound.
1: In the most recent survey that occurred in September of 2022, those juvenile salmon were in in much, much better condition. So it was really encouraging that um, they were eating more normally, they were in better condition. How exactly that plays out to how many fish will return as adults? We don't know yet. We're still working on on those uh, forecast models.
0: Howard added that while less critical for driving the recent chum decline, harvest, competition, and predation are also legitimate concerns and are being investigated. The Board of Fish meeting is focused on Alaska uh, Alaska Peninsula, Aleutian Island, and Chicknick area finfish, including proposals related to the intercept of Chinook and Chum Salmon bound for west and interior Alaska. Alaska's only reservation is fighting to reclaim how its story is told. Metlakatla residents hope that by filling the new Annette Island Reserve Historical Archive with pictures, videos, and sounds, future generations will know where they came from, and the current generation will remember the past. Reagan Miller has more from Ketchikan. Right now, when someone writes about
2: Metlakatla, they don't always get to hear the story from the people who live there tribal council member Keolani Booth says that's because there's not a central archive to store the tribe's stories and memories.
3: And then make sure that, you know, when, when anyone writes about Metlakatla, or or does anything that we've got one narrative that's from our narrative. And um, and uh, I think the fact that we don't have that right now, um, it, it's left up to an interpretation by anyone who would want to write about Metlakatla.
2: The Metlakatla Indian community contracted Caitlin Steinberg, a researcher from Wisconsin, to come to the island and help develop the Annette Island Reserve Historical Archive. When it's finished, Steinberg says the archive will hold pictures, videos, and interviews with local elders and families. It's been brewing for decades, it seems, in Metlakatla. The effort will involve the whole community, largely led by youth. Students will interview their parents, aunts, uncles, and neighbors, learning more about their family's history as well as the history of Annette Island.
4: And so there was already this hunger for this place for anyone to just go find their stories of their family and their community, and it was born from talking about all these different ideas and all these you know hopes and wishes for how organizing Metlakatla's history could benefit the people.
2: Once the interviews are completed, Steinberg says they'll be filed away along with a questionnaire created by residents. Steinberg says there will be a little of everything in the archive, from stories about the founding of Metlakatla to the history of residential schools and what life was like in World War II. It's
4: also going to be fishing, hunting, gathering. You know, um, it's going to be things about stories about the old cannery and, you know, when there would be coffee meetups at the old cannery as well as the fishing culture down at the docks in Metlakatla. The archive will be contained in a room at Metlakatla High
2: School and anyone will be able to record an interview for the collection. The work has already started taking shape. On a recent Friday afternoon, community elders gathered at Metlakatla High School for coffee with elders. The recording is a little hard to hear, but resident Henry G. Smith spoke about the value of the archive in this clip from the event sent to KRBD. Uh,
3: it's a good thing for the kids to, to learn this thing, the history Mm-hmm. of where their parents, their grandparents, their great-grandparents came from. Yeah. <laughs> As how Mettlakatla came about. It's good for them to know this stuff, to know their history of their ancestors.
2: And Booth, the council member, hopes that knowledge will be preserved for future generations in Metlakatla. As a council member, Booth says that if he wanted to look back at something a past member had done, in most cases he's out of luck. He doesn't want that to happen to future generations.
3: And there are things that I'd love to... To speak to Henry Littlefield about, or uh, Solomon Guthrie, uh, and they were councilmen um, many, many years ago. And, and you know, if they didn't write it down, we don't know. Um, so I, I think it's it's really going to help a lot in in continuity of, of serving the community, uh, passing information, and uh, and preserving our culture. You got to know what you've done to move forward and in, in what you want to do.
2: He hopes the archive will help preserve knowledge of times both good and bad, as well as traditional language.
3: It's it's things that we need to know, and we feel we have the right to know about our people.
2: Booth says that Steinberg, the contracted archivist, says she plans to train a member of Metlakatla's tribe to take over as lead historian once the project is fully on its feet. Reporting in Ketchikan, I'm Reagan Miller.
0: A Sitka chef is one of four Alaskan semi-finalists for the prestigious James Beard Award. Renee Trafton opened Beak in 2017 and has made the best of her unique situation, creating award-winning cuisine on an island with some amazing benefits and many practical challenges. Catherine Rose reports from Sitka.
5: When I meet Renee Trafton on a Monday, it's a day off at Beak, so the restaurant is empty and we have our choice to sit at one of a handful of mismatched tables. She chooses a black and white striped rectangular table in the corner of her restaurant next to a hundred-year-old wooden piano. She says table eight is where most people sit if they have a choice, next to the window where there's a slight view of the water. One of the times Mary Peltola came in, she
6: sat right here. What did Mary Peltola order?
5: Uh, she got the cod tips.
6: Okay. Um, it was her second time coming in. The first time she got them with her daughter, and I don't usually serve them at lunch, but uh, she asked, and I had them,
5: so. She opened Beak six years ago, just before the start of the summer season.
6: It was such a, like, tenuous-seeming endeavor, and many people, like, try to open restaurants, and they fail, and um, I've just been working really hard and to get this type of like national recognition is just unbelievably
5: amazing. <laughs> Trafton started cooking for friends at Oberlin College. She was a dinner cook there for two years. When she graduated, she considered culinary school, but it was expensive so she decided to get some experience first, just to get a taste of the profession. She moved to New York and ended up working for a couple of Michelin star restaurants. And It was uh,
6: a really formative experience. It was really exciting to learn about fine dining and all the uh, the many many rules of it and sort of the uh, the focus that the chefs out there have and i think i've definitely taken that focus um
5: and trained it on the
6: ingredients i have like available to me here
5: trafton says in the last six years in her own place her culinary voice has strengthened and she's learned to adapt to the challenges of operating a restaurant on an island in southeast alaska
6: in new york city you can call at 10 o'clock at night and at like 8 o'clock in the, the morning you have whatever produce uh, you want, and here it's a week out. So when I was designing my menu from the beginning, I would pick things that I think would survive the barge journey up here. So, like, you know, potatoes, carrots, onions, uh, kale, kind of the hardier,
5: the hardier items. While she can't get all of her produce locally, she has access to the freshest fish imaginable, and her menu centers around it. Over the years, she's been able to cultivate relationships with fishermen. and She can have 1,500 pounds of salmon, halibut, black cod, and even gooseneck barnacles in cold storage and knows exactly who caught every pound and where it came from. With that, she's able to take barge potatoes and kale to new heights. I can
6: really transform them from something that's, you know, something you just buy at the grocery store. It's, you know, not that exciting, but with, with like, technique and time and, a lot of efforts the transformation from like the raw food to like dinner is for me it's always been like a magical transformation um and i think that that's what makes speak really special is how much thoughtfulness
5: we put into our food here the james beard foundation this year is looking for chefs that set high standards with their culinary skill who also contribute positively to their communities and make efforts to help create a sustainable work culture that was trafton's goal from the beginning beak is gratuity free and it was always important to her to make sure there wasn't pay disparity between servers and kitchen staff. She says she's always tried to hone a culture of respect and positivity in her kitchen and music helps too. It just kind of lightens the mood because you you know you got a zillion things
6: to do and the orders are coming in everything's happening but if you're if you're singing along to the radio it kind of like it makes the team feel more united and Uh, lighthearted so you don't get bogged down it keeps the vibe energetic and happy instead of frustrated yeah being upbeat is like super important for me Um, and I think that is not uh, generally the case in kitchens Um, but this is my kitchen so I want to be happy
5: (laughs) as for the future of beak Trafton is excited to be busier than ever following the announcement from the James Beard Foundation but she says her goal isn't to turn a lot of tables she just wants to have people over for dinner and make them food with thought and care. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Katherine Rose.
0: Trafton is one of 20 semifinalists from the Northwest and Pacific region. In late March, the James Beard Foundation will an- announce the top five nominees from each category. A new study shows that twice as many pregnant or recently pregnant women in Alaska, died in 2021 as compared to recent years. The the Alaska Beacon reports that the new data gives a more detailed view of maternal mortality at a time when Governor Mike Dunleavy has proposed increasing Medicaid coverage for new mothers. The Alaska Maternal Death Review, which produced the study, believes that many of these deaths may be preventable. Preventable deaths occur for various reasons, notably access to health care. Pregnancy-related deaths increased most in rural areas of Alaska, where some re- residents seeking care were unable to access it. Factors like interpersonal violence, mental health problems, substance abuse, and lack of health care contributed to the increased maternal mortality in Alaskans, the causes of which are complex. Of those who died in 2021, over half had a history of interpersonal violence. While the overall mortality rate has more than doubled, experts say that the number might not be telling the whole story many of the deaths recorded may be linked to the COVID-19 pandemic. In addition, the small numbers make it difficult to draw conclusions. Alaska is not the only state to see an increase in maternal deaths. The rest of the nation also saw an increase in pregnancy-associated deaths from 2018 to 2020. Some of the recommendations made by the Alaska Maternal Child Death Review include advocating for more programs to screen for potential victims of interpersonal violence and homicide one expert also mentioned the importance of local care workers such as doulas and community birth workers who may be able to offer more culturally responsible care to help lower the rate of maternal deaths And a magnitude 5.5 earthquake struck about 22 miles south of the village of Old Harbor Monday night, about 70 miles southwest of the city of Kodiak. No tsunami was expected, according to the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Association and National Weather Service. Residents across Kodiak Island reported feeling the quake on social media, and that the earthquake lasted under 10 seconds. The Alaska Earthquake Center's website says the quake hit at about 8.30 Monday night and was estimated to be about 5.7 miles deep. This is Shelby Herbert. Thank you so much for joining me for Midday Magazine. Up next local and marine weather.